So this occasion for what we call formal practice, that's the colloquial expression, it really means uh, uh, cultivating, sort of putting circumstances, really training control system to put circumstantial stuff to one side as much as is possible, which is never complete and shouldn't be complete, but at least filtering it so whatever does occur, we can actually grab it and handle it in the particular temple that we've generated in our hearts. So yeah, there'll be the memories, there'll be the physical discomfort, there'll be the, you know, whatever tumbles in. When you've got enough of a, of a frame of reference to begin to digest this, and this is actually great stuff because that's where you you get your learning pieces of, uh, you know, you give attention to, to details that do come in because you've filtered out a lot. So it's not a total control. You never can have total control. You shouldn't have total control. It's a fallacy. It's a, it's a blindness. So it's not about that, but it's certainly, you know, creating it, that boundary temple. And so things like the structure, the time, routines, um, the modalities, the encouragement, the silence, the, all this. Yeah, um, that's that's, and it's turning up, just being there. Yeah. And you know, speaking personally, it's certainly not always comfortable. But you know, it doesn't have to be comfortable. <laughs> We're not here for a sedative, actually. <laughs> and that sense of the discipline, you know, doesn't have to be comfortable. It has to be something I can chew on. Yeah. Yeah. So those, those lines, you know, okay, this time, that time, this time, that time. You know, lines or something is always a bit, mm, just getting to that and the bell rang, or, God, it's time to go, why didn't they ring the bell? (laughs) (laughs) You know, dominated by a bell. (laughs) Too long or too short. Okay, it's time to (laughs) experience that. Mm -hmm. So, Because at this time we're not really, um, you know, we're putting an emphasis on the container uh, in order to witness some, you know, feelings of boredom or lassitude, irritation. Uh, This is, uh, it kind of digs out our potential for various kinds of hindrances. Subtle and gross. So you know my time, and I'm serving forty or forty-five. I don't know how many years of practice, but it's getting on quite a way. <laughs> Naturally, you, you get used to being in the disc- physical discomfort. And eventually you can get so you can, that can be there, but you're not in it. It's just happening around your jitters, fortified, so you can, yeah, the body's, there's some pain there, but actually you're sitting in there. And, and it's not getting in. You know, you've built enough sati sambhajanya or whatever it is, samadhi, whatever it is, to be able to, this level of discomfort, it's not torture, but, you know, notice it. Yeah, it's pretty nice. You can sit. But now, it's time the bodies begin to break down, so after a while my legs start to jump and twitch, like I'm giving you pain signals, you're not responding. <laughs> the knee jumps up and down. <laughs> hey, get it. <laughs> it's time to go. <laughs> Move. 
they're kind of good, good humbling stuff, you know, sit there like a rock for six hours, or no, that's gone. <laughs> body, body just won't allow it, <laughs> at least at my level of practice. And the Buddha himself said, you know, he could only, in his last years, he could only just about keep it going by entering into very, very deep states I have no access to. So the rest of the time is just bearing with it. You know, and he did. Because he wasn't in the, he was in formless attainments when he'd get relief from pain, but a lot of the time he wasn't in them. He was out there teaching, talking, walking, just being there with this uncomfortable body. Ended up, you know, taking his poison food and colic, diarrhea, dysentery, you know, miserable way to die. Okay, but then as the body's doing that, enough discernment and clarity to you know, relinquish that. No, I don't, I don't think it wasn't, wasn't that he wasn't feeling it. Or it wasn't happening. You know, he knew very clearly, it's fading out now, here's a tree, rest there, make these arrangements because I'm about to go. Mm-hmm. Quite clear about that. And humbling, isn't it? You know, the great world, world-honoured one ending up his last days lying under a tree in the dirt with diarrhoea and dysentery. Mm-hmm. That's kind of quite a profound image, I think. We always see the Buddha as kind of upright, you know, fully vigorous, bright, shining skin, features, broken down old man, you know, wrinkled skin. And, uh, okay. Yeah. So it's sort of, mm, you need to recognize, well, you know, we will all be in that state. We will all be foggy, maybe, you know, low energy, low vitality. So, time to uproot all the distress, agitation around uh, physical conditions, or the, you know, getting getting fascinated by one's vigor, strength, clarity, health. You know, taking it for granted. It's not just you get fascinated by the fact that we just coast along on it. Like, there's no limit to this. There is a limit to it. And, uh, you know, if you're in good health, it's quite easy to get some really disastrous disease at any age. It's an informal practice, like, while you've got the chance, be with the discomfort, be with the frustration, be with the drowsiness, and work with it to, if you can't overcome the physical situation, at least overcome the psychological agitation, frustration, and irritation with it. And clear the hindrance. You can't always clear the, the physical condition or the energetic condition, but can you clear the hindrance? And, the, and it all rests upon identification, doesn't it? Not a psychological decision, just the compulsive. Anything that's happening to this body is, is definitely something you've got to get. You know, uh, anything happening to this mind, <laughs> you know? Anything disturbing this chitta, yeah. one way or another, and say, okay. So we notice one of the kind of obvious features of these, a lot of these teachings is um, the impersonality of it. In the whole that satipatthana, very little mention of any personal pronoun, it's just one, you know, aware mind is doing this, aware, mind is doing that, aware of unrestricted mind. And with Pali you can actually have verbs with no, with no subjects. You know, so you have to, in English you have to say he, I generally said he, but you look in the Pali, so the word he, so isn't there, it just says, you know, there's a third person singular doing something, so that's just the nature of the verb. But there's no 
there's no distinct separate subject from it. Maybe you know, it's maybe just, you think it's just a literary, rather confusing literary piece of language. But the thing is, actually, one can make something quite useful out of that. What's the point to do is, this is bodies, this is jitters, this is feeling. These are dhammas. If you, it's necessary to take it outside of the personal frame of reference into the Satipatthana frame of reference, the temple frame of reference. Mm. You know, then phenomena that normally one would avoid, okay, what's happening here? Phenomena that would normally want to have more of, it's time to stop. Mm. So that, that kind of nagging or that pushing at the personal personal boundaries, which we've normally constructed and held dear and feel it's our right to hold. This is my life, my time, my body, my me. Definitely my rights. You know, it's a big thing in a piece of language that people rise up to. And they use those terms in contemporary societies, my right, and then right, it's his right. Uh, where did this who where did this right come from? <laughs> you know, as you get on that one, you know, it's our right to do what we like to animals, creatures, planet, other humans we don't like, it's our right. This right thing. Who who gave you the right? Where did that come from? So this is the source of, uh, this might be mine, it's a source of considerable conflict and stress internally and externally. Internally in terms of what one's experiencing, externally in terms of what one's behaving. You know, experiencing irritation, one behaves in harsh, irritable ways. Internal chitta, external chitta. Mm. One is feeling kind of bored and someone acts in careless ways externally, indifferent. You don't take paying attention because you're fed up and bored. So that creates debris around you, around us, whenever we get affected in that way. So, though I've made something on this internal external, you really see how they, they, these different scenarios or that we, on a normal level of consciousness experience, the dualistic state, how they do feed into each other. And similarly, you know, extra, if, you, if you're feeling kind of bored and useless and fed up, externally, okay, let's get, do some chanting, get the attention, get the Pali right. Actually use that to sharpen. And you, then you take that, the result of that comes in. Because there really isn't a boundary. So the internal stuff oozes out. <laughs> you know, either for good or for bad. And similarly external phenomena internalize. So, you know, we get... Hmm, So it's okay, you know, finding sitting still really difficult. Then maybe I'll just spend some time carefully reviewing the kuti, learning the chanting, studying little pieces that I've got a bit careless or dull about, or I haven't really given attention to. Sharpen up, sharpen up, sharpen up. Then that comes internally. Uh, And then internally, that experience, you know, then you. All right, I've done a, you know, many people find joy out of reciting the Patimokha, for example, because it's steady, it's rhythmic, it requires disciplined attention. Having done that, one feels somehow lifted by it, and that result internally. These are the ways one can use these uh, situations and in life. Mm-hmm. And the challenge, of course, in our 
here, even in this group retreat, there's quite a lot of time where we're not actually in a particular specified form. Even in this, you know, a fair amount of time anyway. Mm. So again, externally, we're sitting in the hall, feeling really difficult, uncomfortable. Open the eyes, see the stillness, still bodies, human beings, Buddha. Pick up the sign, mm. stabilized. Okay, no longer so highly focused on the discomfort in my body or the fogginess or the wooziness in the in the energies. So you know you can still play across that apparent boundary. This is cultivation. It's really important in my opinion. This is (laughs) to not just get fixated on the technique because sometimes it works and sometimes it just doesn't. I've never known anything that works all the time. Sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's just, it ain't happening. So you've got to be learn that overall sampajano. That's appropriate, careful, comprehending awareness. What's suitable? What works? What's the purpose? What's the aim? Mm. What's needed? Mm-hmm. So, certainly, sometimes in the retreats, you know, it's just basically nothing seems to be working, just recognizing, well, it's like this now. Stop struggling, fighting, getting annoyed. It's like this. Just holding that. Sometimes, you know, sometimes things just weather through, you know, for a day or half a day or a few hours. And it just seems to shift by itself. Not through anything one does, just through not engaging hindrances with it. It begins to move its own right. As I suggested, you know, Chitra is a, he- is a self-healing system. It will, it will find its way. But the important thing is we don't, we always feed it properly and we don't feed it with hindrances. Mm. So it's not let it be. No, it's you do need to feed it, but well, the food could be just faith could be or being in an appropriate situation okay we're here 20 of us obviously everybody else gets discomfort confused whatever happening in their minds they're doing it I'll do it you know so we we come out of the self package which tunnels us into our obsessions with my particular problems who doesn't have them? No, or somehow that also seems to just oh, all right, oh yeah, that gives me somewhere to 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 sit, to be, with a sense of dispassion and also compassion. Jitta can sense that, and it, you know, does its own thing slowly, begins to come out of whatever it was stuck in. It doesn't happen in a moment. But even that shift from the self-view to the right view, something is felt. Oh, a little bit of space, some stability, some ground. Okay. Those who have been in the past have gone through this. Those who work, those Sangha who cultivated in the past have been with this. Those in the future will be with this. <laughs> uh-huh. So why shouldn't it happen to me? <laughs> well, it's not right. It shouldn't happen to me. <laughs> Where's the contract that says that? 
And that uh, truthfulness is not rosy, but it's true. Rest on that. That lifting. Okay. Then you bear that. This is the chitta affected by passion, distress, confusion. It's like this now. Don't pile more hindrances onto it. And all that begins really with uh, taking it personally. Or it's, it's, well, the two go together. You know, the two two bond. Because it's my mind, it shouldn't be. If it's her mind, I just think, oh, that's that's a shame. (laughs) Or I might even give her some advice, oh, just let go. You know, you get one of those people, oh, just drop it, let go of it, yeah. You know, easy to advise other people, isn't it? Mm, well, okay. <laughs> you know, it doesn't work like that. This conceit, which is not necessarily the same as the English word tends to be really puffed up and proud. It just means you want measuring things in terms of a self. Mana. Again, the mana mind. The, the, the measuring mind. Mana. That just actually conceives. It conceives this is mine. It conceives this is his. This conceives this is theirs. It conceives uh, it should be this. It conceives it shouldn't be that. It conceives I was this, it conceives I will be that. It conceives if I'm not this, I can't be that. <laughs> it conceives if because I am this, I can never be that. And it conceives, and it conceives these things. And it conceives she's better, he's better, I'm worse, he's better, I'm better, they're better. And I should, and it conceives all this. It's always avoiding <laughs> unconsciously. It's like this. Yeah, we can take it very personally, that's the instinct. But actually, if it was, it was up to me, I wouldn't have it this way. Clearly, I can't say, just stop thinking. Or I can't say, just be happy. Or I can't say, well, just drop it all and let go. Or I can't say, rise up and be inspired. It's not self. It's not under control like that. What I can do is generate the signs and the shifts and support realization. And in a way, what one does in these formal practices, you, it's a kind of you kind of remove the other props. So, well, if you have to <laughs> generate these things, because nothing, you know, the normal kind of avoidance strategies or. or Comfort zones, it's kind of snipped out. Because you've got to actually uh, generate that which hasn't been generated. Mm. And begin to see you can, it can happen. Surprising, it can happen. You know, when I started uh, meditation practice, I couldn't do an inhalation or exhalation. I couldn't maintain attention on one exhalation. I just could not do that much. Not not five minutes, not not ten seconds, but not <laughs> not one exhalation. I thought uh, I didn't realise it was this bad. Because I'd never never tried to do it before. But then you sit in the situation and say, be my watch your breathing or be mindful of breathing. I think, oh, yeah, well that should be easy enough. Gone. Where did that go? You know. So it's only the formality of the of the practice that said, "Look, you see, didn't realise what how chaotic your mind is. In fifteen minutes, that's all you're going to do. I couldn't do that. Oh, this is serious. <laughs> uh, I better do something. You know, so then eventually, I 
uh, well, pretty quickly, I, I realize I can't do this, or I'm at, you know, all over the place, I better get to a monastery where I can get restrained, I can't do restraint. <laughs> so it's just not, I'm allergic to it, it makes me feel bad. <laughs> so, get to the monastery, it did make me feel bad. <laughs> it's true. But you didn't have much choice. <laughs> and something says, is, yeah, now's the time you've got to stop doing that. <laughs> you know, some gut level wisdom. To be uncomfortable, be hot, be confused, be dull, be frustrated, be left alone, be bored. Yeah. Hey, and then just keep putting in the resolution. Stay with it, with it the best you can. You know, I think after a week or so, I could manage 10 minutes before everything caved in. And then I had 10 minutes sitting and 10 minutes walking. I got to be in a whole hour doing that, feeling quite reasonable. Well, this is, you know, <laughs> hallelujah, you know. <laughs> so I was trying to, you know, some progress, amazingly enough, just through holding that and restraint. Okay. And sila, yeah, yeah. So it works, you know, independent of the person in a way. So, uh, so that really got me interested in doing much more of it. And then so I made that commitment to cultivate and to stay in that particular mm, form and form of practice. Because one get attached to that form of practice, which is what happened. I got very much into doing a particular style that didn't really work outside of that conventional situation. It was a retreat centre, monastery. So it all falls apart because they haven't actually learned independently to cultivate these things. It's been placed there. You know. And they were in a situation where actually the placing was no longer available because you were visiting my my mother, my family, all those things is, you know, and really try, trying, we're just very, so then, uh, you know, you need to integrate the form and internalize and know internally or <laughs> independently, subjectively, where, where you get, where the sliding occurs and to know the sign and the sliding, or the or the fuming, or the twittering, you know, in something, you know, going on. Wait a minute. Know the sign of the person when he or she comes in. Oh. When it comes in, ah, oh, lesson to be learned. Something is. Lesson to be learned here. You know, there are obvious uh, places where this um, personal thing is uh, uh, pretty obviously unpleasant, problematic. There's other places where we, it still lingers, you know, feel I've got to do this, I've got to be something, or I've got to do a lot, or I've got to make sure I'm as good as. And it's not on the script. You can be as good as you can be. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So it's not that you have to be the one who sits longest or eats least or does the most work or is the most brilliant. No, you don't have to. If that's where your interest lies, you can explore that. But no, you know, take the burden, the weight off the personal project. 
there's a humility about it. Really important to get a feeling for that emptiness. Because of course, particularly in Sangha life, people do see us as, you know, venerable and respected and Ajahn and Lumpur and Mahatera and da 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 da, you get this thing going on. And, and fine, that's, that's the way people feel and that's lovely and beautiful and beautiful. And then you can actually look at, you know, just be sense restraint, virtue, mindfulness. That's your home, that's your temple, not the rest of the stuff. That's the, that's the wallpaper. It's not going to stand up on its own. You know, they call you Prakru or Krubar or something. So, you know, with this, um, you know, cultivations, you see the sign, which can be the sign of attainment, or the sign of being venerated, or the sign of being ignored, or the sign, what that does. And you look at the actual meaning. This is called pleasant feeling, unpleasant feeling, or grip grasping, or not grasping. Yeah. So you go beyond the sign into what the jitta is actually being turned by. Right? Grasping it. Whether the sign is of being a useless meditator or a great meditator. It's just agreeable, disagreeable. Look at the spell, move the sign to one side. What is the jitta doing? Because without this, one can receive praise and get very deluded by it. And that happens. We recognize this in all spiritual religious traditions, the kind of, you know, the entitlement, and then people start getting egotistical and things. And probably most of us and the other extreme, we tend to think of ourselves as little or not very good or whatever. That's another form of conceit. It's not you're as good as you can be now. Look into the meanings, are, but do look into the meanings, the restraint, purity of conduct, establishing sati, you know, resolution, you know, loving kindness, compassion, look into the real important things and feed them. Don't try, don't get confused into feeding some self. It was a negative self. I think this is where when we look at the the Buddha's recommendations on what's called the nutriments, this is, you'll see a list of these, it crops up here and there, but there's a particular list in the Book of the Tens when he talks about the nutriment for ignorance. So you, you know, so you don't find a first cause of avijja. There's not some, this is no avijja and then avijja. This is kind of like, it's, you can't say it's a single cause, a specific point. It's a kind of atmosphere, like, like you'd say almost like a mist that actually condenses around certain things. Mm. Just like mist can condense on the, on the window pane and become water, drips of water. So this quality is, 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 Awija, is a, a failing to be in touch. Yeah. There can be a kind of a, well fundamentally if you're not an arahant, that's definitely in the, in the area. You know, not quite being in touch with the implications of selflessness, non-grasping. You know, that's you know, one's permeated by that. From unless you're an arahant, it's there. So it's your job is then to see when it crystallizes. Because when it crystallizes, you think, oh, then then that's where you really get the sense of there's the dukkha, or there's the gripping, or there's the self-view. 
coming up around this. So he says, you can't find a first cause for this kind of general misty condition because we're born with it. But you can see where it begins to crystallize and condense and becomes hindrances. So these are these five hindrances, ill will, um, sense, grat- sense desire, attachment to sensuality, um, dullness and lethargy, lack of, lack of verve, lack of, lack of interest, lack of vibrancy, uh, restlessness, worry, flurry, guilt, regret, endless churning over of past issues, restless fluttering of the mind, or, you know, and then doubt. I don't know if I can do this. I just, who am I? What am I? What's the point? I can't find anything, any solid ground to stand on. So these, you know, they're, they're not, <laughs> they're deep things, that, particularly with something like doubt, which is not an intellectual lack of information. It's just a total lack of confidence in being. And it can be so deep for people that they kill themselves. Life's got no meaning to it. No, nothing, to, nothing to live for. So when we get into that sense of it's all pointless, I can't, no confidence, then we're entering into that territory. And no matter how much head learning you cram in to that, which can be a, a way of trying to compensate for that lack of confidence. If I get all the smarts, you know, do all the right things, I'll feel okay. If I get all this stuff learned, all these lists and words and words and yada yada, then I'll be fine. If I get this state or another, then I'll be fine. But until one has penetrated the, the groundlessness and become comfortable with the sense of everything being dependent, depends, nothing's really fixed, final. It's all conditions always change. Some are pleasant, unpleasant, brilliant, disgusting. Mm-hmm. And you, you can be in that without getting uh, impacted or gripping it, then one is free from that. Mm. Yeah. Your confidence is in not established on any condition, but on the sign of release. And so this is so you know one who has real has come to that and f- fulfilled in that is someone who's considered to be really they definitely have it what they call entered the street they've got some sense whether they can verbalize it or not of a quality ineffable a release quality an unbinding quality where things don't get activated the things that did activate don't and there's no flustering or flowering it's just in that confidence, not in self, but it's like this, isn't it? And there's no sort of song and dance about it. So if you're saying, well, I'm a stream mentor, well, clearly you're not. <laughs> it's just conditions like this, you know. So it's a, it's a, it isn't really a person at all, but it's a, it's a kind of a, a quality or a modality of the citta when it comes out um, to some degree, sometimes momentarily, or of being grabbed by conditions. So we need, in a way, to be tested by conditions to see What's going to, what are you going to hook on to? Mm. And he's saying this release from this, these five hindrances, yeah, or the non-release from this is the big feeder of this avidya, which mounts, one way of expressing it is the self-view. There's there's something as a false boundaries we've created, a separation, I am this.
or I'm not this. It's the other way of expressing it. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, you know, how does this? This is then. This is the. This is fed by the lack of sati sampajano. Mm-hmm. Which is fed by lack of restraint. Mm. Somewhere there's conduct in there, I'm not quite sure, but then the, the lack of satisambajano is fed by mm, Lack of careful attention. Lack of careful attention is fed by lack of faith. Absence of faith is fed by not hearing true Dhamma. Not hearing true Dhamma is fed by not associating with wise people, people of integrity. So they feed each other and this kind of torrent moves towards that wells up from a situational experience. You know, good people hearing Dhamma. So the first one's just receiving and then beginning to, okay, get up the, pick up the message, okay, restrain, purify conduct, use sati sampajano, can't be established until there's some purity of conduct. Purity of conduct leads to sati sampajano, leads to you, that way. So it starts off as just, just absorbing the goodness. Yeah. And then learning the first messages from that are the sense, the sense consciousness will, will it's a pro, you need to restrain it. Restrain the indriya, the outgoing energies. To restrain it, so you're getting some differentiation between the experience of jitters having the feeling disturbed or agitated to the blowing it out into intentions, speech, body action, even holding on in your mind to certain obsessive thoughts. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Checking that, at least restraining. And then Sampajana begin to investigate these qualities that arise. Mm. And feeding. And it says in the, in the realization experience is similarly, it's of those factors in reverse except that um, yeah, Sati Sampajano is a fair, is kind of basic all round quality. It gives rise to good conduct, mental good conduct, pure intentions, clear intentions. Mm. And this establishes the four establishments of mindfulness. So it's become something that's more formalized from something that's kind of ongoing that we try to, you know, sustain in our, in our lives as a general mode. And then the kind of intense intensification then is establishing these four reference points. So they, they just hold you on that frame. And it gives you a chance to look into areas that were previously not apparent, previously not seen. Mm-hmm. What one, you know, so I'm using this example of sort of, you know, having re- conventional restraint or retreat. One can feel, you know, lack of stimulation, dullness. Uh, physical discomfort, uh, even ideological discomfort. Why should we have to do this? Da 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 da. Oh, good, good, good. 
you, you know, you pulled something out of the, something deeply, you pulled it out of the mix. Look at that, you know. Okay, it's not what you like, fair enough. But, so, and can that, you know, be explored? Uh, so it doesn't turn into the, the hindrance. So it's only for the outrooting of the hindrance, it's this kind of in-depth process is needed. So the enlightenment factors arise. And these include qualities such as a rapture, certain brightness, ease, and samadhi, composure, deep collectedness, equanimity. So there is a payoff when you've cleaned out the system. And what's been cleaned out to a increasing degree are these atmospheres of self. The, the programs and the inclinations that do that. So then as we learn a few things about where my weak spots and blind spots or touchy areas are and I've begun to review that, that was the sign, what was the meaning? The sign was, you know, uncomfortable, unpleasant. What's the meaning? The meaning was, I'm not good enough. Uh-huh. Look at that. Who, who is that? Go into that. Kindly. Spaciously. Uh-huh. What do you expect? What are, we closing, what are we closing down on? When we say we're not good enough, we don't want to witness or bear with. Certain conditions are being, as a reflex, being grasped. You know, my lack of stamina, or the lack of stamina in this body, or the lack of energy in this jitta is being grasped. How do you, how do you think it should be? Once you begin to penetrate it and investigate it, Dhamma Vijaya, oh, it's just like this now. There shouldn't be another way. It's like this. So this second enlightenment factor of Dhamma Vijaya begins to opens up because now we've got something very meaningful to penetrate which sometimes one doesn't see till it, something's been kind of presented and then you double vijaya beyond the, the sign you know which becomes a person such as I'm not a good meditator or what I can't bear this let's go into that I feel a sense of distress, pressure I shouldn't be feeling something, or I'm supposed to be something, or they want me to be something, or I can't. So look into that. Maybe it's just agitation and uncertainty, mingling and being held. You're as good as you can be right now. And it changes. You keep feeding on the right thing, these conditions change for the better. And the, the released also becomes discerned. Mm. So, you know, my inadequacies remain inadequacies some things, you know, but what is released from the, the fear and the guilt and the shame about them. And we look at what we can be, you know, 
getting realized the most important thing to get adequate around is purity of speech, purity of conduct, purity of intention. The rest of it, you don't know where it's going to go. So three kinds of skillful conduct, they can be cultivated, but whether we're going to feel happy or not, immediately, maybe not so. Maybe that will come later. Maybe one always will be uncomfortable or low energy. Maybe it will be like that, but there will be a release from it. So either, either conditions move to the skillful or conditions move to release, or both. And the release is always going to be from the that which was held personally, perhaps deeply personally, so deep that we didn't even realize it was there, is brought out. And the, the phantom is released. These are the um, thoughts, reflections on um, some of this uh, formal, informal practices, penetration. Um, and hope this is of some use because the yeah, theme is if we do this workshop, then you know certain things can have been abandoned, certain things can be seen that we need to work on personally. Um, and we could perhaps return to normal set of duties in a clearer and more one-pointed way uh, uh, for our welfare and for the welfare of the Sangha and welfare of the Dhamma and the welfare of the Sasana. In the future we pass on that process of purification through our struggles and breakthroughs and patience. We pass that on and that's Nothing better to do than that, really. Mm. So recognizing I've taken up a good amount of your time in my talks, and they're probably not always exactly what you wanted, or a slip of the tongue, slightly offensive references, <laughs> the general thing that happens. So, uh, you know, whatever, I always say, whatever's been useful, great, whatever you haven't found useful, shelve it, or, and, uh, uh, um, you know, whatever. Obviously, I've been in the position of being given some authority by this, so I like to acknowledge that and also say, you know, that, you know when, when, when the teacher gets off the seat, he's no longer the teacher. <laughs> so, you know, enough. So enough for me for now for this uh, retreat session and hopes we can continue to practice with uh, righteous right endeavour. <laughs>